This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome to our new podcast, Misty Nights Uninformed Afro. The new podcast series will dive into the origin stories, character development, and story arcs of our favorite black superheroines and characters in comics. These are the obscure stories you don't always hear about, and we share commentary on some of our favorite moments in comics. We're going into deep discussions about Storm, Misty Knight, Monica Rambeau, Vixen, Amanda Waller, Riri Williams, Lunella Lafayette, and the Dora Milaje. The series has two hosts, founder and managing editor of BlackGirlNerds.com and host of the BGM podcast, yours truly, Jamie Broadnax. And Stephanie Williams, host of The Lemonade Show. Each episode will reference comic book issues, dates, and creators. That way you can go back and check out the stories for yourself. By the end of the series, you will become a certified expert in the fictional world of black superheroines. Please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. See you soon. Hey, I'm Nick. And I'm Victor. And this is Megashane. Megashane is a queer, people of color, weekly podcast, and we talk about anything from drag to comics to video games to boys and anything else in between. (laughs) So if you want to listen to us, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, and you can follow us on Megashane Pod and Megashane on Twitter. That's right. So follow us, talk to us. We'll be here. And we out. Shannon, CG, Lauren, and Mel form the Nerds of Prey. A group of ladies bonded by comics, gaming, film, television, and fandom culture. Hang out with them bi-weekly as they dig into the very things that make them loud and proud nerds. Available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. Also, check out their Patreon at patreon.com backslash nerds of prey. Peace, y'all. What's up? This is Akil, the MC from the Jurassic 5, and you are now tuned in to Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Yeah, I like nerdy girls. Hi, I'm Andre Meadows. I have a YouTube channel, Black Nerd Comedy. Have you heard of it? Don't matter, because you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast, the best podcast in the whole world that I'm doing a promo for right now. Boom! What's up, y'all? This is Amanda Seals, comedian, writer, and creator of Get Your Life, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Khaleesi! Hey, what's up? This is Morris Chestnut, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hey, this is Gina Prince-Bicewood, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hey, it's Sanaa Lathan, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hello, this is Jordan Peele, the director of Get Out, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerd Podcast. Hey, y'all, this is LeVar Burton, Kunta, Jordy, Reading Rainbow Guy. You are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. It is the bomb diggity podcast on the interwebs, but you don't have to take my tuning into episode 109 of the black girl nerds podcast my name is jamie and i am your host this episode is titled i love becca and lucy 
green leaf, and unstoppable wasp. Three segments. In our first segment, we interview the team behind I Love Becca and Lucy, a new digital web series that premiered at South by Southwest. And in this segment includes web series creator Rachel Holder, cast Tanisha Long, Jessica Parker Kennedy, Chris Smith, and Alexis Denisoff. In our second segment, we invite actor Rick Fox, who plays the role of Darius on season two of Owns Greenleaf. He chats on a one-on-one with Karan. And in our third segment, we invite comic book writer Jeremy Whitley. This is his second appearance on the Black Girl Nerds podcast. And in this interview, he sits down on a one-on-one with Joy to talk about his latest book, The Unstoppable Wasp. So that's our show. We look forward to your comments, whether it's on SoundCloud or using it on Twitter and doing it under the hashtag, of course, BGM Podcast. And don't forget, we have a Patreon and your support is always appreciated. Just go to patreon.com forward slash blackgirlnerds. And thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Episode 109, I Love Becca and Lucy, Greenleaf, and Unstoppable Wasp. Enjoy! Becca and Lucy are best friends who are each other's favorite people. They live together in Eagle Rock in Los Angeles on an abandoned block where they enjoy keeping to themselves with their roaming backyard chickens and getting to the town pool early enough to avoid interacting with other people. All is well on their secluded block until a neighbor moves in next door and Lucy's boyfriend unexpectedly proposes. This segment is hosted by Kendall. And this interview features director Rachel Holder, cast Jessica Parker Kennedy, Tanisha Long, Alexis Denisoff, and Christopher Nicholas Smith. All right, so thank you all for coming on the Black Girl Nurse podcast. I'm Kendall, super excited to interview you. So today we have the creator and mastermind uh, behind the show, I Love Becca and Lucy, as well as the cast. We have Jessica Parker Kennedy, Tanisha Long, Alexis Densoff, and Chris Smith. And our mastermind here is fellow Black Girl Nerd, Rachel Holder. Um, and so I want to start, well, you know, like I said, we can keep this pretty conversational, but I do want to ask you um, about how you're feeling today and just the whole whirlwind of your show being premiered at South by Southwest. I'm so excited. I, I was just saying at lunch, it feels like um, it feels like my birthday and my wedding day, and I'm getting married to all of you. <laughs> That's the best way to describe yeah. it. Yeah. So can you tell for our audience, um, if they're not really familiar with the web series and the show, Yeah. you know, if you, I, I'll start with you, and then we can just kind of go around and talk a little bit about your characters and the role that you all play on the show. But we'll start um, with you about what the show is about. Sure. Um, the show is about the evolution of a best friendship between Becca and Lucy, two inseparable best friends, um, uh, when one of them gets engaged to be married, um, it sort of changes them as people and their best friendship for the better and worse. Awesome. Tanisha, tell us a little bit about your character. Uh, <laughs> I like, wait, I have to talk now? Uh, Lucy, yeah, she's... I'm a lot like her. Uh, she's an introvert, and she's kind of um, trying to figure it out, but she thinks she knows everything. She thinks she's more mature than she is, which is, I think, true of me all the time. Um, and she's, you know, dating this guy. She's been dating for a really long time. And, um, you know, he might not be the greatest, but he's pretty great to her. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's... I'm doing a terrible job of talking about my character. No, I'm okay. sorry. Was that accurate? Yeah, that feel, yeah we have the after lunch. Yeah, <laughs> I just had fish tacos, and now... Oh, I'm from where? The place we were at. Don... Don Julio's? Oh, okay. I just made that really good. No, no, those, those tacos oh, yeah. are great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Texas native, so I understand. Yeah, oh, nice. Those tacos. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, what else? I'm going to say one more thing. Uh, she's really <laughs> she's really kind and really sweet. Um, but, like, her heart's always in a good place. But, you know, she's 
the little, she's got a lot of growing up to do, I think. Like, a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, Becca is, I would say, the uh, the externally tougher of the two. Yeah. Lucy's tough, too, just in a different way. Um, she's very unapologetically herself um, and uh, lives very much in the moment. And, um, yeah, I, I, is, is deeply, I mean, they have these very adult jobs, um, but have this tremendously beautiful childlike quality to them that they've held on to that I that I relate to so very 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 much with with my own best friend we're just like absolute children and gratefully so when we're together I'm glad you said that because I was also going to ask you um if you all or how you all relate to your characters so that's great that you that you put that there thank you so I play Glenn um and Glenn is uh, the unwelcome neighbor uh, who um, kind of breaks the spell of the splendid isolation that the girls are living in. And I think uh, maybe to the extent that they are introverted, he is extroverted. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't know how much <laughs> more tough. I should say unless we're getting into spoilers, but that's sort of what he, that's what he comes in with. I'll, I'll say that. Okay. <laughs> and I play uh, Harry. And, uh, bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Got another one coming? Um, you, there's usually, so many more. They usually come in threes. No. I've been watching all day. Um, uh, Lucy's boyfriend. Uh, and, um, you know, he's kind of like a. I'd like to think of him as a nice guy, but I think <laughs> the outsider or the average, your average uh, viewer, I uh, would say that he's um, maybe a little deficient in some in some capacities in terms of uh, um, oh, a, uh, taking care of himself and others. Um, but um, but he's a yeah, he's a nice guy, good looking. Good teeth. <laughs> I mean, that's devastatingly handsome. I think it's it's fair dashing, to say. you know, whatever. Oh, good teeth. And rich. Choose your own. <laughs> fit, I would say fit. But I think the modern thing is fit, right? That's what people yeah. say. Fit. Yeah. So, but they are ripped yeah. too. Yeah. Sort of a superhero. Super ripped. <laughs> um, so. And anyone can answer this. What are you all most excited for the audience uh, to see during the premiere? Oh. Um, <clears throat> how do I talk about this without spoiling anything? Um, never mind. I feel like it's a spoiler. It's There's a scene that's, like, really funny, and we had so much fun shooting it. I'll say that. I can mm -hmm. say there's a scene that we had so much fun shooting we're all laughing during it and it was like I was just so excited to see how it turned out and I got to see the show already mm -hmm. and it was like just so funny and so uncomfortable and so all the all the things that are read in the scene we oh were doing God, it you know what scene I'm talking about. There's a, ta there's a table involved. No. We won't give away yeah. anything, right? <laughs> it's really cool. So I guess I'm excited to see how people react to that scene. I'm really excited for people to see Brown Girls and, um, you know, a nuanced version of what it means to be black and to see the world through their perspective. I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited to, for, um, I mean, just going, going off of what she was saying, I'm really excited for people to see the choices that this cast made in their characters that just came out of them naturally. Um, in like in particular that scene, there's a moment, there's a choice. I guess I am. Gonna, I'm going to be giving it away too. See what I'm saying? There's but, like. But there's a choice. I think I can do it. There's a choice that was made that I that wasn't in the script. That is hilarious. That's not anything either. Yeah. But. Well, the moral of the story is everyone needs to watch. Everyone, yeah. we can't tell you. <laughs> you so we just see what wait. You're talking yeah. about. you wait till you see that scene that we were real vague about. Something <laughs> 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 with the table. We'll figure it out. There's a table. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know we're black girl nerds. So I have to ask, um, what is what is the one thing, or it could be more than one, that you geek out over, that you nerd out over? You and I, Tanisha, we talked about this a little bit before we started. Yes, we recording, did. But, yeah, just kind of talk a little bit about 
What's your nerd moment? Mm. What do you love the most? Mm. I just got really excited. I had an interview with Final Draft, and I they they're giving me Final Draft ten, and I'm so excited Whoa. that I get it for free. <laughs> Spenso, yeah, no, that's I'm a nerd, and I'm so pumped yeah. to write <laughs> in my free Final Draft. It's awesome, dope. <laughs> um, I am coming to terms with the fact that I am a TV fan girl. Obviously, I'm an actor, and like that's how that happened. But I'm really um, obsessed with Sherlock right now and kind of embarrassed about it, but, like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm really into, like, sci-fi <laughs> stuff. Like, I have always loved The X-Files. I did not like the new season, but the new season was really disappointing. And I think I tweeted something mean, and, like, Mitch Pileggi, who plays Walter Skinner on the show, was following me, and he unfollowed me after I tweeted it. And I wanted to cry. Oh, why? Because he's, like, one of my favorite characters. And no, I don't know. Why did he unfollow you? I think he didn't like my tweet. I was criticizing the season finale because they weren't following the mythology of the show. I mean, it's ten it. seasons, mm-hmm. and you're not going to follow what the show's about. Why make a new season? So that's... Totally. He didn't like that. He's dead to me now. Yeah. I don't know who it was, but he's dead to me I'll now. show you a picture. Wah, wah. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, like, uh... I like love sci-fi. Yeah. I love um, like I'm, I just started watching Legion. Uh, I watch the X-Men movies, even though I deeply don't enjoy them usually. Like it's I watched Apocalypse, and it made me. I was just like, where did that story even yeah, come I from? Yeah, I saw that on your Twitter. None of that is actual X-Men origin story stuff. And like, I don't want to spoil it, but like. The stuff with Apocalypse is like ridiculous. Oh, no, you can't spoil like, Apocalypse. They kill Apocalypse. <laughs> you can't kill him. That's the point of Apocalypse. It, like, literally, I, I, like, literally screamed at the TV, and I was like, I'm not watching any more X-Men movies until they make a Storm movie. And, and um, that's real, too. But this, the origin story they gave her in that movie was a lie. That's not... Okay, look. See, this is game <laughs> No, it's not. This is me at this home. Was there movie. a storm or is there no storm? I thought it was... There is um, a storm. There's been two, so there's been Halle Berry. Halle Berry. And uh, the Baby new girl. Storm. Baby Storm. Baby Storm. But Baby Storm's origin story is wrong. Apocalypse did not find her and make her powerful. Like, she was already super powerful and she lived in Africa with her family. Like, everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. I knew that. This is turning into something else right now. So I'm a nerd, is yes. what we're learning. You're a hardcore nerd. Yeah, it's deep. Yeah. It's deep. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, so I, I love how um, your previous, the web series, and just the way it depicts female friendships, mm-hmm. cross-cultural female friendships, and I, I think, you know, just from what I saw, a lot of the conversations had, they literally sound like conversations I have with my friends. Oh, that's or great. Text, when I'm texting my friends, these are the type of conversations yeah. that we're having. So did you pull from that? Like, yeah. things that that go on between your friends and put that in the show? Yeah, this was, uh, this was like a love story to my best friend, basically. Awesome. Yeah. Being like, I miss you. Don't have more kids. <laughs> um, don't have don't. more. Yeah. Uh, children are great. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I think uh, I was living in LA at the time when I when I did that iteration of this project, um, and I missed my best friend, and I missed all the time that we used to spend together. So I wrote about that time. Nice. Yeah. So uh, for my actors here, if you all could be, um, if you all could play any other fictional character television who would you play mm, like current tv it doesn't have to be oh uh, okay um i don't know alexis what do you think i i hear peter capaldi's not going to do any more doctor who oh, oh i think i could do that. a good doctor yeah who, oh, have yes. a look Ooh, you would be a good doctor <laughs> that's just on the top of my head if we're, if we're in that do you know what my favorite time. role of all time was and i would like if, if this would be the only thing I would do, I would actually be, is Columbo. Have you ever watched Columbo? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. That, cool. I would watch Peter that. Peter Falk. You've got that. But yeah. mm, he's he was the best. But there's no need. There's no need to redo it. Yeah, because yes. it's perfect. But I get what you're saying. Your yeah, so yeah. Watch Columbo and your Doctor Who. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That was me. I, I'm uncomfortable answering this question. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I want to be a mutant. That's like the thing I say to my agent. <laughs> That's right. I was like, I want to be a mutant, dude. I want to levitate on TV. Like, I was watching Doctor Who, not Doctor Who, uh, Doctor Strange, and because you know I love Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm-hmm, and I'm watching Doctor Strange, and I was like, I want to do this. Like, because I know how much he loves acting. 
and to watch him just be like this uh, American guy that like gets these like realizes he has these powers. I was like, I want to go. I want to do it. I want to like do the green screen and like see it and like this is so cool. Because I like a like you know, who doesn't want to be a superhero or be right? Cool, cool. I would like to be a villain though. Well, what would you be, Rachel? <clears throat> I would be a writer director person, um, probably. I don't think I would want to act ever um, <laughs> is my answer. Are you sure? It's wonderful. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's, you know, it's so, it's so brave and so, uh, I'm just like, these people are like mythical creatures to me. I, I, I don't know if I would ever be able to, um, I feel like I expose a lot of myself in my writing, which feels really vulnerable, but I don't know if I would be able to take it to that next step and do it in front of people. Completely understand. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask one last question. I want to be respectful of everyone's time. Um, just if you can describe the show in three words, and anyone can answer this, mm. how would you describe it? In three words. Three words. That's really difficult. Um, human. Funny. I'm just like complimenting myself. <laughs> Brilliant, outstanding. Four stars. Unexpected, I guess. Yeah. Oh my god, we all have to pick three new words. No, no I don't have to. go first. <laughs> I'm so stressed out. Yeah, we were all waiting for you. We're like, she's gonna nail yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. She's gonna nail it, y'all. That was good. How about it's about time? It's about hey, that works. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> well, we're so thankful that you all um, were a part of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. Thank you. you don't yeah. have yeah. Any yeah. Follow us, but tell us where we can yeah. find you on social media. Um, I am at my name Tanisha Long on everything. I have no life and spend too much time on social media. <laughs> you can find me at J Parker K uh, on Twitter once a year, and uh, <laughs> and uh, J Parker K three on Instagram twice a year. <laughs> I'm at Alexis Denisoff on Twitter, and I might be doing Instagram soon. <laughs> oh. I'm at Smith Chris on Twitter. I'm. Chris Chris Smith Smith on Instagram and I'm Chris Smith 100 on chess.com and if anybody wants to play me at chess.com just I play chess I'm serious I know you are we know you are we know you are my friend just told me to download that the other day so um my twitter uh sorry I don't know. Sorry, I just I don't remember. I just she writes it. funny. No, that's my Instagram. That's, that's Instagram. My Twit is uh. I love that you don't know your Twitter handle. I know. I don't. Sorry. Yeah, you should um, love tweeting yourself. Love tweeting yourself. R Holder writes. Yep. 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 All right. And, um, From around the corner, she writes funny. All right. Well, thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's really fun. On the new own network show, Greenleaf, Rick Fox joins the cast in season two. The retired basketball player has taken on the role of Darius, a handsome reporter covering the latest round of scandals at Calvary Fellowship World Ministries. Rick Fox has also appeared as a contestant on Dancing with the Stars and a guest celebrity judge on RuPaul's Drag Race. Take a listen to this one-on-one interview with host Karan. Hey guys, it's Karan. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Season two of Greenleaf on OWN is just underway and brings with it more folly for the faithful. This time around, we get a little bit more. More depth into the lives at Calvary and new additions to the fold. Rick Fox is an athlete, an analyst, an actor, a producer. He's a champion on and off the court and quite possibly holds all the secrets of anti-aging. Please welcome Rick Fox to the BGN Podcast. Anti-aging. Oh my gosh. What an amazing introduction. Thank you. That was beautiful. You are so uh, welcome. You know, I got to tell you, you are single-handedly responsible for two of my life obsessions, tall men with curly hair and college basketball. You and King Rice okay. were everything to me. Oh, we go back. Yes, we go oh, way we back. Go back. I, ro- I rocked with we you in the blue and white. Back. 
way, way back. That's amazing. Thank you. Uh, well, we, we are still alive. I don't know if you're a Tar Heel fan, but we're still alive. I'm still y'all fans. Yes, okay. Well, King, <laughs> King is, if you're wondering where King Rice is, he's the uh, coach at the University of Monmouth in yes. uh, New Jersey. Yes, he's and doing, doing really quite well. well, quite well. It's yeah. so good to have you here. You are playing Darius Nash, a reporter and Gigi's love interest in this season of Greenleaf. What can you tell us about Darius? Well, you, I think uh, you, you hit it on the head. Uh, Darius is uh, works as a reporter in this town. And as you know, in the town of uh, the, Green, the Greenleaf Empire lives in, <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. hard not to, it's hard not to come across uh, something that, you know, of a story that doesn't touch one of their the members of the family as of late. So it is my job to be a truth seeker and deliver the facts. And uh, as I meet and discover Grace Greenleaf, who has great substance and is very uh, intriguing and hooks uh, Darius's curiosity uh, more personally than professionally, uh, we find ourselves in season two uh, balancing that line of all that Grace knows about her life and all that she's handling, which is at times very, very uh, challenging Mm -hmm. and messy, uh, coupled with, you know, discovering uh, who we are and what we are to each other and how, how we may uh, enjoy an easy conversation around the fact that she was a a journalist and I am a journalist. So we understand that. We understand both of those. I mean, I'm living the life that she was on her way to New York to live and uh, continue to pursue. So that there's that void uh, in her life right now. But yet, uh, for me, you know, I, I, I can't help but be <laughs> curious about this, uh, this woman. But at the same time, I have a job to do. We all have a job to do. And I got to tell you, you are quite the distraction, I'm sure for Gigi too. Um, I want to know, I know that you studied television and film in college, but not many athletes have been able to successfully make the transition from the court to the screen. How has it been for you, or, or is it really a transition since it's part of your foundation? Well, I'm blessed. I'm glad I, I had that foundation uh, years ago because it, it it's what kept me going. It was it just what kept me pursuing uh, and, ex- and evolving and expanding and growing as an actor. Uh, I did not have the I didn't have a, uh, an expiration date on when I needed to be somewhere mm-hmm. in my acting career. Uh, so that helps. I think what has really afforded me the opportunity after 22 years to be on a set with such a great team uh, and be included in this world uh, has been just consistency and persistence and patience. And, uh, and I would, I still see myself as if I looked at the full breadth of my the journey I am on as an actor, I'm probably in college right now. <laughs> you know, like, so, so I don't, and that's after 22 years, because yeah. that's where a 22 year old person would be, would be in college, you know? And, and I, and so I don't, I don't have, like I act and I, I, I really pursue these, these stories and these characters and these worlds because it's, it's so, it's so joy. It brings such joy and such, so much uh, pleasure to, to to be an actor, and it's challenging, and it's, it's gut wrench wrenching at times. And I we rip our souls open, and we carry these emotions uh, and these characters that people don't want to deal with in real life. And mm-hmm. then, but then they feel really, you know, relieved to to live these, you know, these stories and these issues through us. And and so there's there's no greater no greater joy in my life and I've had some pretty big moments and some really been a part of some really fantastic journeys uh, as an athlete but you know this is a journey I've been on since I was a kid in the Bahamas and and it's one that I just I knew would be my you know would be the one that carried me through my entire life and here I am you know in my 40s and and I again I still am as excited as can be to be you know to be on set and to be Playing Darius Nash. Did you grow up in the church? I did. I do grew up in a church just like Calvary. Um, it, it, you know, I mean, yes, <laughs> it consumed many hours of my week as a as a kid. 
um, went to church Wednesday nights, Saturday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Oh, so you were tarrying long at the altar. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was, you know, I grew up in the church and it was, you know, so it brings up a lot of emotions and a lot of feelings and a lot of uh, questions and a lot of thoughts. Darius, mm-hmm. as, as, as Darius as I, as the writers explore Darius's journey, um, this world is ripe for, you know, for me to reach down on my own experiences and connect them to, to what Darius is living right now. So I know it well. I'm very comfortable in this environment. I think it's really interesting because Greenleaf challenges. Uh, a lot of what's happened in the church, the development of the church itself in a way that we really haven't seen examined on television. The closest we would see come to the black church would be a stage play or a sitcom. So with with these very real issues that are being brought to the forefront in Greenleaf, how can you relate to the character of Darius and even to Daddy Greenleaf? Well, they're real people. Yeah. I mean, there are people that live. There are people that live among us in each of our churches. Um, they're humans, and with 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 human with humanity comes a lot of challenge, right? A lot of challenge yeah. to, in this case, you know, if you're a God fearing person and you you want to you want to live a God fearing life, it doesn't <laughs> doesn't preclude the fact that there are there are a lot of people out in the world you interact with that aren't God fearing. And the challenges and, and the temptations of the, of, of the flesh to, you know, the temptations to live a true, you know, to live an authentic, truthful existence is we all go through it daily. So it's not it's not hard to it's not hard to, to stumble. You know, we stumble all the time. It doesn't make us less worthy mm-hmm. of God's love or or less worthy of of his blessings. It's just, you know, some of us. You know, it's, we we become we 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 get swallowed up in shame, right? We get swallowed right. up in the shame mm-hmm. of our, our own, you know, stumblings, and 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 we and it just complicates the issue. We then we complicate it, right? We come, we we make it worse than it has to be um, mm-hmm. by telling lies on top of lies on top of lies, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. uh, say that. So so this. Is, <laughs> You know, this is just this is just real. This is just this world is real, and that's why people connect to it because they know it's right under the surface that we're all living on a day to day basis. And when we go to churches on Sunday, when we go to our churches on Sunday, we look to our left or our right or we listen to the word of the bishop or the pastor. We know that person's human too. We know that they're delivering the word of God, but at the same time. You know they have their own challenges, and if we haven't seen, you know, it reported and, and documented or more more times than one about the challenges of the of the pulpit in their own in their own ways, yeah. you know, yeah, why would we think it's less? You know, they're supposed to have the direct connection to God, right? Like the higher connection that they're bringing to us. Yet they're human too, and if we can stumble, they can stumble. If we can struggle and have questions, and if we can, uh, you know. Fall, fall to the by the wayside. Then you know it's. We shouldn't judge. Judge. What's the saying? Oh, judge not, this. lest you be judged. Be, be judged, right? I'm a, look, I have the I have the soul of an old church mother. I do know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. If you started, I could probably finish it. I know that's uh, right. Rick, tell me what is yeah. your greatest joy right now? My kids. Wow, how My old kids. are they now? Twenty-two and sixteen. <gasps> Like, you know, just seeing them, like, stand on their own and seeing them, you know, really, my greatest joy is that they ask me questions still. Yeah. That they they talk to me openly openly about the things they are curious about. They they share their faults when they stumble. They don't run away and hide them, Um, which tells me that, that, that... I didn't screw something up along the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, I can um, relate. <laughs> you know, and that's my great my greatest fear is that my kids wouldn't talk to me, that they wouldn't come to me when they when life's greatest challenges, when they're faced with life's greatest challenges, and when they you know when they're curious about things and they want to do things or try things or uh, they're struggling with relationships or they're struggling with work, uh, you know, that they that they just feel that their dad is a safe place to go to. 
And and at this point in their lives, in my life, I've been able to maintain that that connection. And it is man, it is my greatest joy that they call me on a day to day basis. That they they reach out to me and that they talk openly and honestly about their lives. And I could not ask for anything more. That's awesome. Thank you so much for spending just a little bit of time with us. Uh, any any final words for our black girl nerds? Yeah, if, you, if they're just discovering uh, uh, Greenleaf in season two here, I, I want them to know that they could go back and uh, if they have Netflix, they can really get caught up really quickly here and watch season one, yes. which will get them really caught up with the world and the characters. And, and as they go forth, uh, really, you know, spread the word. If, if there's issues that arise in the show that, that bring up feelings and, uh, you know, start up a conversation, you know, really don't, you know, really continue to expand the conversation so that we get to places in this, in our communities and in our churches and in this world as a whole where we're talking about stuff that is right under the surface and that we're, we're not just, you know, looking at our fellow brother and sister and, and, and have something to say to them but not say it. I got my eyes on you, Rick Fox. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I love you, Rick Fox. Thank you. All right. Such an honor. Thank you for the love. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Based on the story of Hank Pym's daughter is the new Marvel series, The Unstoppable Wasp. She's a genius, superhero, and completely unstoppable. And there's some guest appearances in this first book with Ms. Marvel and Mockingbird. The Unstoppable Wasp is written by Jeremy Whitley. He joins us on this podcast interview along with Joy to discuss his new book and also his work as a creator in comics. All right, welcome to this uh, installment of Black Girl Nerds. I am your host, Joy. And today we have a very special guest. Um, he is a comic book writer uh, known for his great books like Princeless and Secret Love, but most recently known for uh, the new run of Unstoppable Wasp. Uh, this is Jeremy Whitley. Jeremy, thank you so much for, for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I uh, the first time I actually read some of your work was uh, Civil War II Choosing Sides. And I remember very vividly reading what you wrote from Misty Knight. Um, kind of talking about her self-worth and trying to figure herself out kind of post the the Danny uh Danny Rand breakup and I loved it so much that I made that that um that little snippet of her teaching other little black girl uh martial arts I made that my Abby for a little while so it, it really meant a lot to me so thank you that's awesome I I really loved doing that story it was uh it was interesting because it was one of those things where like, um, you know, when the editor approached me about it, um, all we really knew was that, you know, War Machine was, was going to die at the beginning of Civil War. And, um, you know, what he wanted to do was, you know, uh, what he said to me was, you know, we want to have somebody who's going to have a unique perspective on, you know, War Machine's death. Obviously, you know, what Iron Man feels about it and what Carol feels about it is, is going to be covered pretty thoroughly between the event and, you know, their two solo books, you know, we want to take some time to you know, hear what some other people who, you know, don't have a solo book at this point are thinking. And, um, you know, it, it was, it was neat because I pitched a whole slew of ideas. Um, you know, the original four people I came up with was, I'm, you know, I was thinking about something with America Chavez, something with Misty Knight, something with, um, uh, Monica Rambeau, and then initially, like, The Thing was my fourth guy. Um, and it just so happened that The Thing wasn't going to be on Earth at the time, so I had to come up with somebody new. And in the meantime, I had uh, read the issue of uh, Sam Wilson, Captain America, where they had the, the funeral in there, and uh, Storm was there. And I thought, well, I have, you know, three women of color in this story, you know, whose voices are, are very rarely kind of heard in them. Marvel Universe, um, you know, they're around in some cases, but, you know, there's very rarely stories like told from Misty's perspective. Um, and so, you know, it, it seemed like a a good moment to, like, grab Storm up in there and, you know, have these 
these four characters because I in the meantime he had been like, yeah, you should do just you know all four of them in two pages apiece, which is an incredibly intimidating uh, thing. But like, I I love Misty and I you know just come off writing the, the Misty and Danny story for for Secret Wars, so it's kind of a little bit of you know my uh, my morning process as well. Right, and I I appreciate you saying that. Oftentimes, in particular, with Misty Knight and, and Monica Rambeau, they're kind of treated as these ancillary characters, which um, they actually do have a rich history, and I think we're seeing more with that, with Monica being in the Ultimates, as well as uh, Misty being in Sam Wilson, um, and particularly that, that funeral scene for issue 10. Um, now her being a part of Black Panther and the crew that's coming out. Um, so we're seeing more of her kind of in the comics probably a lot of it has to do with the success of the netflix uh tv show which however we see fit for it to happen i'm fine with but um i just appreciated that you kind of took these characters that are viewed as secondary that are viewed from the average kind of comic book character as uh not having rich history especially as black women and women of color um and giving them a voice because uh someone who has a rich history as Rhodey, who is a black character who has been in the comic books for a long time. Um, they, they would feel a way about that. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true. And, you know, it, it became one of those things as I was sort of starting this issue up of like, you know, in Misty's case, she's a lot like Rhodey, not only in, in being, you know, a black superhero and a, world full of these very loud prevalent white superheroes but also in that you know she's she's just a human like the only thing between her and you know these gods that she's fighting is you know that that metal arm and her you know her own personal strength and wherewithal um you know she's not invincible when they land one good hit on her like you know like thanos did on Rhodey and it's all over. No, absolutely true. Well, speaking of women of color characters, that is a perfect segue for Unstoppable Wasp. <laughs> so, obviously, uh, Unstoppable Wasp is a take on an original character. Obviously, Pym and the Pym Particles is not something new to the Marvel Comics kind of universe, but Nadia Pym is a new character um, and kind of coming from a different spin. What gave you the idea for Nadia? Um, who's a new character on, on Earth 616 and in Marvel Comics in general? Um, well, the um, the original uh, origin for her was, uh, was, was put together by um, Mark Wade in his, his run on um, All New All Different Avengers. And, you know, it's, you know, it's, a, <laughs> it's a team with seven characters. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, she gets a little bit of time there, but not a whole lot. Um, but basically it's, it's, it was really interesting to me in the origin that, um, you know, obviously part of the desire for this character to exist is that, you know, the, the character of the wasp in the Marvel movies is the daughter of Hank Pym. Um, and, you know, Marvel kind of wants a, a character that people who are interested in that character can jump into the comics and, and see and read about, um, so, you know, she sort of started that way, but her, her origins, you know, really go back to, you know, comics that were coming out in the sixties and you know, the introduction of Hank Pym, because, um, part of his backstory, you know, when he's first introduced is that, um, he had this, this wife, Maria Trelloya, who, um, you know, was, was kidnapped on their honeymoon, disappeared and, you know, was later found to be dead, um, in, Basically, what what they've you know how not his origin works is that uh, yeah all of this is true all of this happened but um, you know what nobody knew is that she was pregnant when she was kidnapped and um, you know that that um, that child that you know she gave birth to inside this you know camp basically uh, is you know is Nadia is the new um, wasp so she's she's a young super intelligent you know, teenage girl who uh, has been locked inside this, uh, the red room her whole life, you know, being trained to be a super scientist. Right. And 
one of my favorite things, and I wrote this um, on BlackGirlNerds.com, uh, talking about uh, issue two and three, which I reviewed of Unstoppable Wasp. Um, the the comic absolutely centers women of color, um, specifically women of color in the STEM field, um, which I thought was great. One of the, the besides that, the other thing I love about it is they have two, they usually highlight two girls um, who are real life in the STEM field at the end of the comic and kind of highlight what they're doing and give their social media handles so that people can follow them and know what they're up to. Um, but going back to the to the girls of color, obviously you have uh, Taina and Alexis and, and Priya and Shay um, and and Lunella got the 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 ask, but obviously her being the smartest person in the Marvel cinematic Marvel uh, comic universe, she's busy. She has things to do, but um, pretty much every girl in girl uh, is a woman of color except for Nadia. Um, my question is, what was your motivation to have that happen? Um, because some to see an organization, even fictional, ran by black and brown girls is actually quite rare um, in uh, nonfiction world, let alone in the fictional world. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and for me, that was, um, you know, a, a big thing going in is, um, you know, a lot of a lot of people will be familiar with my work from. Um, from Princeless, which is, you know, a book about you know, a, a young uh, woman of color who's a princess who, you know, is locked away in a tower and decides to save herself. And, um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of the, uh, the the love and acclaim I've gotten from people has been uh, from people who, you know, found something in that, that book um, that other people weren't doing and that they had been looking for. Um, and, you know, in my case, I had been looking for it because, you know, my my daughter is a young woman of color. And um, you know, part of the reason I created the character of Adrian is uh, to reflect, you know, that so she could see a character who, you know, looks like herself being the hero. And, you know, not just as is often the case with superhero books, you know, being, quote, powerful, but then very rarely having agency or being the hero of the story. Um and, you know, I was really excited about um, working on the Wasp because there was this aspect of, of women in STEM, which I thought was also, you know, rare and, and important with what they were doing. Um, but, you know, the, the character that uh, I, I first get paired up with for an ongoing series is, is not just the Wasp, but, you know, a Wasp in the, uh, you know, the sense of, of her being... You know, very, uh, very white in this case. Um, and I wanted to do something that was a little more reflective of, you know, especially in her case, she's supposed to be living in New York. And too often to me, like fiction around New York is, is very full of white people. And um, New York is not. Like New York is a very diverse population. And you know, I wanted to have her sort of, running around New York and, and picking up these characters who are uh, not necessarily unique New York, but reflective of New York and um, also, you know, come from a variety of backgrounds that a variety of, um, you know, young girls will be able to see themselves hopefully reflected in. Um, so, you know, we have, you know, not just Nadia, but, you know, Taina who is um, Latina and we have, um, you know, a, a whole variety of, of you know, not just um, not just uh, races, but backgrounds and abilities and um, things like that. And you know, for that matter, fields of science. Everybody has sort of a unique specialty in the group. Um, and you know, it was, it was important for me to sort of get get these characters out there. Um, without necessarily the entire focus being like pointing at <laughs> pointing at these unique characters and telling everybody how unique they are, but in, you know, putting them, putting them out there and, and making them you know, important just by the fact that they exist. Right. Now in your experience, cause obviously to your point you have, or what the books you're known for have been centered around, women of color, but you're not necessarily obviously doing the coloring and the penciling, you're doing the writing. And so 
in your time kind of being as a comic book writer, um, have you had the opportunity to work with women of color who kind of look like the characters you want to kind of bring to life onto the page? Um, and if not, like, uh, do you think that that's an opportunity coming in the near future? Um, so in my, in my creator and work, I absolutely have, um, you know, I've, I've made it sort of a point to try and, um, find people to work with who, um, not just, not just, uh, I guess not just because, you know, I, I want to have, black women involved in telling stories of black women because I do, that's important, but also like in a lot of cases there are things that I, I don't have to tell, um, you know, people who are creators of color that sometimes I do have to tell, you know, other, other white folks working on books, like, um, you know, there, there have certainly been instances where um, I've had stories where it's like, all right, the, this character who's supposed to be Latina looks white and the character who's supposed to be black is like, you know, very light caramel coloring. Like I, I want to shift all of this over um, because, you know, you're, uh, it, it's just sort of this, I don't, I don't know if it's unintentional or just uh, subliminal whitening up of characters that, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I guess, nice in both cases. Um, you know, when I've worked with women of color that, uh, I don't have to to say, okay, please, like, please make the black character black, um, and and not, you know, just as light as you can get away with, and and still seem black. Right, and absolutely, like we, that's one of the things that I think we're seeing more in kind of the social sphere is the realization that hey, having the characters are absolutely wonderful it's super important we also want to make sure that you know black women and women of color are getting hired too to tell these stories whether it be behind the writer's desk or they're the pencilers or they're the color colorers or things of that nature i think it brings a certain kind of like extra special nuance to these stories when you have women of color not only telling these stories and being represented in these stories um, but also uh, being able to bring these stories uh, aesthetically to life. So I yeah, agree with you. I, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm making a concerted effort and stuff that I'm, I'm pitching for, you know, uh, work for hire for places like Marvel. Um, you know, when I'm trying to put together a book that, you know, will uh, prominently feature, you know, people of color to, to try and, actually integrate people of color into that process to, you know, to have that as part of the pitch, because, you know, I, I don't think you can depend necessarily on, you know, the sphere of you know, editorial and things like that to, to do it on their own. Um, you know, <laughs> editors are, are busy. And in a lot of cases, it's much easier for them to just, tap a person that they know that they know can get something done. Um, but you know, if, if I know what kind of story I'm trying to pitch and I know it's something that should have, you know, a, a woman of color co-writing that story. And I, I think, you know, in a lot of cases, the, the impetus falls on me to go out and you know, find that person before, you know, I, I go to Marvel or anybody else and say, all right, I want to write this book and then, you know, expect them to go out and, and find somebody for me to write it with, you know? Right. So last question, uh, what's next for, without spoiling anything, like what's next for, for a girl and Nadia Pym? I have to point out that you did a really great job of setting up, uh, the members of girl, um, agreeing to it. I only, my only request is you got to get a girl from the Bronx cause I'm from the Bronx. So you gotta, you gotta get one girl from the Bronx, uh, to be a part of girl as an engineer is, uh, my only personal request. But, uh, in general, what is, what is next for the, the girl engineering group and, and for Nadia Pim? Um, Bronx. Um, I was thinking, yeah, we've got Latina's from, from Washington Heights. She's, uh, you know, uh, up there. Um, 
I, I don't think I have anybody that's specifically from the Bronx, though. Yeah, because, like, um, Washington Heights is, depending on you ask, it's, like, it's in that in-between between the Bronx and Manhattan. If you ask Bronx yeah. people, they'll say, for the most part, they're from the Bronx. If you ask people who are from Manhattan and kind of, like, the the gentrifying Bronx slash Manhattan, they'd say, like, Inwood and Washington Heights are part of Manhattan. I personally think it's, like, a good mixture of both. Um, I personally am from the South Bronx, which is like, make no mistake, this is the Bronx. <laughs> like, this is that, <laughs> that specific area. Like, there is no room for debate. This is the Bronx. It's deep in the borough. Um, so I, I was pleased that you actually had them living in various boroughs. I think you're right. Um, we have a lot of New York characters that are originally from New York. Um, you never see their neighborhood. Um, which frustrates me because, to your point, uh, New York is so diverse. Um, I think the only really kind of to-life iteration that I've seen of truly New York in recent memory is, funny enough, the the Spider-Man Homecoming uh, trailer, just because it had kids of color like actually going to his school because obviously Peter Parker's from Queens. Um, so I was very excited about having girls from different boroughs a part of girl, but... For, for for the rest of their adventures without spoiling anything, what do you think is going to be happening next? Um, so, you know, obviously we, we get a big uh, kind of cliffhanger at the end of three. You know, we're, we're getting ready to set up first, like, real person-to-person fight that Nadia has dealt with in this story, um, you know, and, and that she's actually facing down a, a supervillain in Pound Cakes um, who is, you know, much bigger than her, um, and you know, at least in theory, much stronger than her. Um, and there's a there's a female you know villain that I really like that you know they don't they they haven't nobody's really used in a long time. So I wanted to get her in there, and um, yeah, we're we're gonna have a, a kind of a blowout at the beginning of, of this this issue where you know people are gonna kind of get to see a different side of Nadia from from what they've seen because you know she is. She is bright, she is cheerful, she is happy, but this is also a girl who, um, you know, was brought up in a bunker being taught how to kill people. Like, she knows she knows how to take, you know, people on when she needs to. Um, so, so we're going to see a slightly different side of her, and I think uh, we're going to get to get a little more of inside look at uh, what the situation is with, you know, with the Red Room and with Ying, and, um, you know, and, and by the time... Uh, Issue four is done. There will be no question where we're going because uh, issue five and six are going to be big and fun and exciting and also uh, deal with how people from different boroughs get around New York City, which is <laughs> which is fun. Because, you know, I was, I, we're doing the big, you know, call together the group for the first time to, uh, to solve a, a problem here. Um, and the fact that uh, nobody's parents want to drive them you know, around New York, and half of them, you know, don't have uh, don't have any access to a car, uh, is actually like a like a plot point in the story because you know New York. Yeah, it's a large. I don't think people realize that until they move here. Um, I, I like to remind uh, friends uh, all the time that the the distance for me to come from the Bronx to Brooklyn from the area that I grew up is the same distance for me to go from Manhattan to Philly. It's the same amount of time on the train, so. Oh yeah, and I mean I, so, so the first time I came to New York, I came for New York Comic Con, and, um, you know the the first year I kind of stayed, I stayed right across, right across the river in New Jersey, and I would just uh, take the ferry over every day, um, and I, I just thought it was so silly that people from New York didn't have cars, and then like, because you know I live in the South, like. I live in North Carolina. I can't, I can't get to a place where I can get food without driving. Right. Of um, course. You know, so like that idea is it was foreign to me. And then like I love running around on the subway. I'm you know I'm a country kid in that way where I'm like oh the subway. Um, but like the second time I came up for the show, I stayed up. I stayed with Jamal Eigel, who lives in Brooklyn, and like he had to drive into the show first morning uh to bring you know stuff with him for a, a get together we were having afterwards and then like sitting in the car with that dude 
trying to get from like Manhattan from like from like the, the from like midtown Manhattan to Brooklyn on a Friday night was it was it's like a nightmare. Like I was like, I can see the bridge. Why can't we get to the bridge, Jamal? And it's just like uh, we got to go this way and up and these two lanes are closed and this whole street is closed. So we got to go. It's like, I don't, I never, I never want to have a car in New York. Yeah. No, you realize very quickly, like, this is a poor idea. <laughs> this is yeah. terrible. I was like, never. It's, Manhattan is just a time suck. Like as soon as, as soon as your car gets on the bridge and you can just kiss the rest of your day goodbye, I feel like. But you learn something, at least if you go to Com- New York Comic Con this year, Make sure to just, if you're going to stay somewhere, stay in an Airbnb, and then just take the train over to um, Jacob Javits Center. It's much easier. They have a train station uh, stop yeah, right near Yeah, there was it. no station there when I started coming, and I was like, it's a quick street to get there. It's like, well, you, you take a train to, like, Midtown, and then you walk, like, 10 blocks to get to the yeah, Javits Center. Yeah, you have to, like, get, you have to get off on 34th. Before it used to be the ACE, that would be the closest one, and it would be Eighth Avenue, and you would have to walk three long avenues <laughs> to get to your, your destination. Now they have uh, the seven train; you can get on the Hudson Yard, uh, yeah, and that's the stop, and it drops you off in between like Eleventh and Twelfth Avenue. And as soon as you get off the train, like Jacob Jacobs Center is like right there. It's so close. Yeah, it's it's uh that's super nice because yeah, that was. That was uh, it was weird trying to get around, but yeah, I, I think you know it's it's interesting. I, I I I'm really like fascinated with New York, and that, I feel like that shows up to some extent in in the book because like I love the the borough and neighborhood qualities of New York, where like I walked up from you know from the Javits Center down to Hell's Kitchen to um, like. Midtown to go to a, a signing that people were doing and like the fact that like as you walk down blocks like the language around you changes like the type of people that are just on the street changes from like two blocks to the you know next two blocks is is incredible and a thing you don't see anywhere else like um, you know, I wanted to kind of Give the give some of that impression, you know. Issue three, she's in Midtown and she's in Times Square, and you know Jarvis is sort of a, you know, grumpy. He's a grumpy Brooklynite who, you know, like ah oh, Times Square and get out of here. And Nadia is just you know so so amazed by the the Times Squareness of it all. Yeah, then that is a a great way to describe it, Times Squareness of of it all, but. Um, as a native New Yorker, I, I just want to say thank you just because Ensemble Mawas is great in itself, but um, I think that there's something special about it, me being a, a, a black girl from New York, seeing other uh, black girls and women of color from New York um, be brilliant and be, be smart and uh, be cunning and, and kind of figure themselves out um, in this kind of weird, odd, fanciful like universe. So... Um, I enjoy it. I, I, I look forward to seeing what else you guys do for issue four and beyond. And um, I look forward to seeing how girl as an organization develops. So thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. And I, I'm, I'm really glad to hear you say that. Cause I, I, you know, I wanted to make sure that, you know, in their cases that they, it's not just, um, it's not even just, you know, diversity for diversity's sake. I wanted to make sure that, you know, they have, unique personalities that they're unique characters that, you know like um you have characters like you know shay is is not she's she's a unique kid and you know she's 16 and, and running around and you know basically suits looking like janelle monet and uh you know she's she's one of those kids that you're like well if you were 26 you would be the coolest kid but at 16 like other kids aren't gonna get you <laughs> like they're not gonna understand what this is about so if you can just hang in there for a few more years, it'd be really cool. Yeah, no, you uh, you gotta tweet Janelle Monae and be like, hey, by the way, <laughs> if you haven't read Unstoppable Wasp number three, you might see something that uh, you know, tickles your fancy if you if you want. Um, yeah, that's, everybody get on that. You know, flag Janelle Monae. Get get Janelle Monae reading this series. Who is listening to this podcast? Do me a favor at Janelle Monae and. Uh, 
let her know that Unstoppable Watch number three, there's a character named Shay. And uh, she she bears a bit of a resemblance, but that's the first thing I thought. I was like, oh, the suit is sharp. And I was like, and I love the, the perforated Oxfords. And I was like, and she looks like Janelle Monet, So it wins all around for me. But yeah, I think Janelle Monet is kind of very much into like uh, fiction and sci-fi and NASA and space and all these very uh, engineering heavy type of things. So I, I think she she would actually love it. So I will make sure after we finish speaking, I will tweet Janelle Monet. My oh, by the way, have you seen this character? Just wanted to bring this to your attention. Um, but oh, so uh, before we before we end, what is your uh, social media handles? How can we get in contact with you? Um, and just kind of let people know what you're working on next. Uh, so on Twitter, I am at J R O M E five eight. It's J Rome five eight. Um, on Tumblr, I'm Princeless Comic. Um, dot Tumblr dot com. Um, that you know, post stuff from Princeless as well as you know a lot of my Marvel stuff. Unstoppable Wasp. Um, obviously, uh, probably by the time this comes out, issue four will be out or be just about to come out because it's really releasing the first week of April. Um, and then uh, issue issue five of that is out the first week of May. Issue six is out the uh, first week of June. Um, and that's that's going to round out this this first story. So if people are hooked and excited, you got to hang in there and, and keep reading that for the next few months. And if you haven't jumped on it yet, obviously, like this is a, a great time to jump in. Um, in addition to that... Um, you know, Princess and my, my spinoff Pirate Princess, they'll be back a little later this year. Um, they're always available on Comixology or, you know, wherever you get comics. They're in trade collections, so you can order them on Amazon and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, I'm doing a, a couple of stories coming up for Marvel. I'm doing a uh, short story about the uh, new Ant-Man, Roz Maholtra, who is, uh, that's going to be in... Uh, Secret Empire colon Brave New World number one and uh, got another one shot for Secret Empire which is uh, Secret Empire uh, Underground which is uh, a team of, of Avengers who are uh, going to the Savage Land to uh, to try and save the world including uh, guest star of the first issue of Unstoppable Wasp Mockingbird who will be kicking butt awesome well, thank you so much, Jeremy. Um, we really appreciate you for coming on. Thanks. We really, really, really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. I love doing it. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax. Various episodes are edited by Jamie Brodnax, Mr. Daniel, and John Bauer. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spreaker, and Spotify. That was a HeadGum Podcast.